Welcome back to the Liquid Studios show. In this episode, we're joined by Debbie Davidson. Thanks for joining us, Debbie. Hi, good to see you. Thanks for coming along. Debbie uh, has a business, Debbie Davidson-HR, focused around everything to do with people and work and human resources and all that sort of good stuff. Yes. That sound about right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly does. Good, good. So thanks for coming along, Debbie. You're welcome. What we want to do um, in this series of the podcast, it's all around um, what is your purpose? We're inviting guests on, like yourself, who are at the top of their game, specialists in their field. I think you'll find superstars in their industry. Superstars in their industry. (laughs) Thank you, Colin. How lovely. How flattering. Thank you. (laughs) So, but before we get into the job part of it, what we want to do is just have a bit of an understanding of who is Debbie Davidson. You know, where did it all start? A bit about your background. So you can share as much of that with us as you wish. Okay. Colin at this point normally dives in with some very probing questions, having done a load of background checks and research on you. But I think you've struggled a bit with this one. I've drawn a complete blank. I mean, mean, it's, it's no wonder, actually, being in the industry that you are, um, you need to protect um, your yeah who you are. I get that because of some of the sensitive situations you find you might find yourself in. Um, so fair enough. I know nothing. <laughs> so um, yeah, you you tell us your story. Where did it all start? Well, I'm a Carlisle girl, born and bred. Okay. Don't support Carlisle United, but don't hold that against me. <laughs> I'm just not a massive football fan. Fair enough. Um, it's a good time to support them now, though. It, it yeah. would be a good time to start if I was a fickle <laughs> fan, but I'm not. <laughs> um, so I started to work in HR after I left university. So I specialised mm-hmm. in um, HR as part of a business degree. And I did a graduate trainee scheme with Rank Group Holidays, as they were at the time, okay. um, mm-hmm. which was a lovely baptism of HR fire working in the leisure industry okay. amongst, you know, businesses um, like, oh, it was Oasis Lakeland, um, which is now Centre Parks at Penrith when that first opened. Yeah. Um, and then obviously being in, learning about other businesses that were also owned in that group, which were Jumping Jacks, Butlins, Haven, Warner, Mecca Bingo, Hard Rock Cafe was owned by them. Wow, right. So it was a super start to working in HR. Really interesting yeah. <laughs> and a, a, and lot, a lot of, of people, fun. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> coming and going, I would, I would imagine. Oodles. Well. Yeah, 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 oodles. Yeah. Lots of turnover. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, lots. Um, and in 2000, I went self-employed. I'd been made redundant and I didn't want to be made redundant again. So I decided I'd uh, stick my toe in the water and um, do something for myself. And when was that, Debbie? How long ago was that? 2000. 2000? 23 years 23 ago. 23 years and your own business. Brilliant. Yes, cool. yeah. Blimey. So um, going out on your own, awesome. Where was the inspiration for that? I mean, was this parental? Was this uni? Where, where did that... In- inspiration? I don't know, sort of, or the, or, or the reason to do it. Where, where did the, that come from for you? It was just a natural thing? Yeah, I think so. I wasn't particularly happy no. working shifts on social hours, weekends, bank holidays, which okay. the leisure industry that I was based in what was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted some more autonomy. I yeah. wanted to make more money. Gotcha. And I wanted to have some freedom and control over what I did and when and who I worked with. Quite right. So, Amazing. Um, so I had zero clients right. um, and I got one client, somebody via a friend who took a punt on me and mm. um, one led to two, yeah. two led to four, four led to eight, yeah. eight to 16. You know, it's, so it, it grew exponentially really. Wow. Um, 
and it's grown from there. Yeah. So gradually across multi-sectors of business from charitable, yeah. mainly SME businesses in private sector. Got you, yeah. Um, the work that I do is supporting people with people stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, and it's, it's not in any particular industry or particular niche. It's just, you know, across the board where anyone needs. I mean, obviously you, you started in, in leisure, and, and but that's not the case now. It's across everything. Yeah, leisure and hospitality, catering, um, early years education, um, professional services, tech companies, yeah. construction companies. obviously. Yeah, construction. Yeah, yeah. Um, a wide variety really. I don't have a specialism in a particular industry. I don't okay. touch public sector. That is a completely different specialism. Right, got you. Um, got you. But private sector yeah. SME is my so, thing. But and people get you involved because of extreme situations they're typically faced with, or. or so or happy occasions too <laughs> sometimes happy occasions right okay. uh, most of my business comes from other people who i've right. done a decent job for yeah and if if a business owner's talked to a business owner about an issue yeah then they'll get in touch with me and say oh pete says you've done a great job you know can yeah. you can you can you help me out can you tell me what you might do here or have you got some capacity to to give me a hand yeah. generally firefighting to start off with yes um or if it's a new business that's just set up and wants support with how to build a team and employ people, then that's a bit more proactive because yeah. you can build whatever you want, whatever you choose to look at then, right. rather than just okay. firefighting a particular issue yeah. and then um, looking at the broader picture once that's, once that's finished. Okay, and do yeah. you bring in, in, in the case of a business that's just starting out, do you bring in recruitment people or, or how, or are you setting out contracts or what, what bit do you, what part do you play? So in a new business, we're looking at if they've got people in mind or they want to bring people in, yeah, yeah. what are the essentials if you're going to employ somebody? Yeah, okay. You know, a contract, an offer letter, yeah. a right to work check, right. um, some some standard, robust, tailored policies and procedures, a contract that's super useful to you, but also really clear for the employee. Um, and so that you're meeting your statutory rights in employing people, really. Good. Yeah. So that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because obviously you've been doing this a while, and over <laughs> twenty don't labour on that. Heat, well, just thinking, over twenty three years, that must have changed a fair bit. The rules must oh, have changed. Yeah, I mean, How do you stay on top of all that? I'm a member of the CIPD, which is right. the Chartered Institute of Personal and Development, so I can get lots of information from them. There's some really great law firms locally who do updates. Um, mm -hmm. I do loads of reading, uh, and the employment law changes. A lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and case law sits on top of employment law, which then helps okay. to apply it and tell us how we ought to work with that in a particular instance. Because that sets a precedent for the next time something like that happens. Yeah, yeah. So it comes in two two ways, really. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So in the, the sort of, you know, the, the unpleasant side of HR, when there's disciplinary stuff and there's, you know, crap going on, basically. Yeah. And, and the boss, the employer goes, oh, this is just a headache. Come and sort me out, Debbie. That 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 happens a lot. I'm guessing you you're kind of brought in to sort out through some of the crap. The sticky that, and the that. muddy is yes. generally, and yes. the firefighty stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. And that must come with its challenges because you're getting right into someone's life that might not, you know, end particularly well for them in in that situation. But yeah. you've got to sort it out. You've got to you've got to try and work your way through it. I, I would imagine yeah. that's uh, that's a bit of a difficult path to navigate sometimes. It is. There's two aspects to that though. One's about the business owner or the director or the manager that you're working with and what their comfort level is with risk. 
Yeah. And you're also thinking about the other end of that, which is the employee, uh -huh. about what's going on for them. So it's about a robust process in a risk managed way. You know, there can be a high risk, risk strategy, which is, <laughs> bye. <Yeah. laughs> um, right. And that might cost you some money. Um, but there's ways to negotiate and manage that in a more safe environment. Um, there might be a medium risk option or a low risk option, which is follow a much lengthier process um, in a really detailed way. Um, and people's approach to risk and comfort with risk totally differs. Yeah, um, and depending on where the risk is and how quickly you need something dealt with, because sometimes something that's really awful needs dealt with really quickly yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. to exit what is a spreading problem in a team or a yeah. department or, or a business so you can move forward thing. more positively yeah. Yeah. and as long as you can do that in a um in a tactful respectful credible and kind way even if that is a negotiated exit mm. you're actually then dealing with like that invisible pr after somebody leaves the business yeah, sure. because it's not just about getting somebody out the door it's how they feel when they leave yeah. because if they don't like you and Carlisle and Cumbria is quite a small place, yeah. yes. um, yeah. then that reputation spreads pretty quickly. Yeah, it so it's also about how that exit happens, even if it is an exit, and how well you manage that yeah, yeah, for the yeah. fallout afterwards. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So you, you mentioned, you know, a lot of SMEs that don't have necessarily your level of, of skill or experience in, in the business, in-house. In I suppose you're, you sit alongside lots of other... Um, service type professionals, whether that might be your law firm or your accountant mm -hmm. or, or whatever that is. And as a business owner, um, you kind of, you want that sort of network of trust, don't they? That, you know, day to day you tick along and, until something happens and then all of a sudden you've got to deal with it. And you've got to be able to bring in the expert in the room, as it were, to, to help you navigate through that. So mm -hmm. I would imagine you, in an SME environment, you probably build quite strong personal relationships with with the the business owners that you're working with because they have to put such a level of trust in you yeah, yeah i think that's the that's the critical bit isn't it and not everybody works well with you because their approach or their standards or the way they like to do business might differ from the way that i deal with people i'm, yeah. I'm quite informal um i'm quite chatty I can generally find a cheerful side to the even worst problem. But some people don't really like that or don't want that. And if my approach isn't right, then I either know somebody else whose approach might be right. Yeah. Or if I don't have the specialism that that person needs, I can ask a really trusted associate or colleague who does health and safety or who has a speciality or an interest in equality and diversity and inclusion or who deals with like the organisation development end of things or the employment law stuff when that gets to a point where you go... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable to that level, but that skill set's now, it, that's beyond me. So I need to give you to somebody who can look after you better. Right. And those relationships need to be trusting, they need to be credible, and they need to have been established in a way that there's some empathy about the situation. And, the, and you choose people to work with that work in a similar way to you, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose... Um, you know, to a certain extent, that this sort of compliance aspect of HR. You know, as an employer, we're, we're all obliged to do what we are, are obliged to do. Yeah. Um, but recently, the, the whole aspect of you know well-being has, has gone sort of further up the agenda. How much of that do you think is, to a certain extent, still a bit of a tick box exercise, or, or how many employers are out there actually going, yeah, I can see the value in this, and I can. It, it is worth investing 
in the the health and well-being of of my team because of the you know the, the benefits uh, do, you, do you see much of that changing i do see some of that changing the the businesses that don't embrace the changes in what's happening in the socio-economic climate especially currently don't embrace the worries that people have and how to engage with their biggest resource like people are your biggest resource that is how businesses work without them it's not happening if you've got 50 staff and none of them are doing their job and you need them to run a business and do the work in that business it's not happening and the dinosaurs die out basically you have to move with that and you have to embrace some of that change even in a really measured and um, in a way that you're comfortable with in smaller steps in order to get somewhere. And you've only got to look at some of the local businesses around here. Like if you think about the reputation that Cumberland had before and how transformative that is now. Um, They've got a super reputation for being developmental. And I look after at least two or three clients who are super developmental and focused on well-being, engagement, and those additional things book clubs running clubs you know um having sessions where you talk about it's not it's having healthy post-mortems when something's gone wrong you know thrashing those problems out to make sure they don't happen again without hitting somebody with a stick and those are the businesses that are thriving in fact they're soaring um when times are tough because those employees have some ownership about the work that they do they love working there they have less absenteeism, up to 30% more productivity when you work with an engaged workforce. Yeah. So it's so worthwhile investing in even the theory of that and, and the non-costly elements of that, never mind looking at things like really effective health insurances and talking therapies, even if that costs a bit of money, it keeps people in work and doing a great job for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose, you know, in today's market where we've got, <coughs> you know, we've got big skills gaps, We've got, you know, unemployment. We've got open positions all over the UK. So from what you're saying, that those types of employers that engage at that level probably find it easier to recruit and certainly find it easier to, to retain um, people when there's, you know, other employers not doing that and, and struggling to, mm-hmm. to, to fill to fill vacancies. I think so. Like the the yeah. market is, is a difficult market at the moment. Um, there was a period where nobody was moving because everybody was a bit concerned post-pandemic and that movement started but people are being much more demanding about where they're going and what they get and those movements are not just in terms of money they're also in terms of looking at wider terms and conditions culture and environment so they feel comfortable about where they're going and feel they're going to be looked after where they're going so it's super important pete yeah Yeah. so those those sort of motivation when, when you know people fancy a change for whatever for whatever reason the, those sort of obvious motivations to jump ship and go elsewhere are, are different to maybe, what, 10, 15 years ago, do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's just for the sake of it anymore. Mm. Although, you know, one of my colleagues was talking about it's not about a career path, it's about a career squiggle. Because right. some people start off in one job and end up in a completely different industry or environment or yeah. job at the end mm. of the day. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like you know the days that were in the like 70s to 90s where you had a career progression and you just sat on that ladder and moved up it's about finding somewhere where you're happy and healthy and you're being you valued and and you're enjoying the work that you do because i think we're all establishing that life's too short and we need to have some well-being and happiness and mindfulness about what we're doing with our lives and amongst all of that i suppose that's the thing isn't it what what the pandemic did do for us is just demonstrate how quickly it can all disappear yeah certainly um, you know a, a, a lot of people out there probably doing a bit of a re-evaluation and going actually my priorities are now different 
yeah. and doing and doing different things. What is it that fires your boat these days at work? What is it you get excited about? I get excited about people being interested in what's going on for their people. Okay. So my favourite clients are ones that value their team, that understand the difference that they can make yeah. and that understand that I'm not a specialist in their job and their business. Yeah, so yeah. why should they be a specialist in the work that I do? Yeah. And understanding that there's a real value in engaging with me in yeah. order to help their business to soar yeah. and do things a bit differently to the way they might have done. Yeah. And to help risk manage really tricky situations that actually save a lot of money, time and effort and a lot of grey hairs. It's tough at the top, yeah. especially SME business owners. You know, if you've ever employed staff, which I know you have, <laughs> yeah. like managing people is a super complex job because we're all so different. Yeah, yeah. And anybody yeah. who invests in that, that floats my boat because that they are the most important resource. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And um, so... What are the typical nightmares at the moment that you're Oh. <laughs> Come on, share. <laughs> just without, when, without you, breaching any just when you think you've seen it all. I mean, oh, really? what, I don't, what can I tell you? From um, long-term ill health yeah. to people doing something very silly yeah. um, to rubbishy um, workmanship, uh, personmanship, um, Right. And then somebody wondering why that's a problem. Um, uh, right. I, I mean, I've seen it all from yeah. thefts to complex grievances yeah. to the sublime to the ridiculous. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, as the sort of um, what's the right term, sort of practitioner, then for the for the for the expert in the room that comes in to sort all this shit out, um, <laughs> do, is there are there occasions where Let's just say that that employee that's on the receiving end that's done something shoddy and, and doesn't think it's a problem, and then you're there to sort it all out. Does that you know? Does that ever come back on you in any way? Do you, you know you you don't have sleepless nights about you know someone that you know has has come off badly in a situation and potentially holds you responsible? Yeah, I mean, of course I do. Um, I don't think you'd be human if you didn't yeah. think about the effect that somebody exiting a job that pays the mm. bills, the mortgage, and helps to feed their children, yeah. you know, has. No matter, no matter what's happened at work, yeah. um, there has to be an underlying reason for that. Yeah. Somebody who's done a great job for quite a long time and suddenly doesn't is generally the pattern that you see. Something's gone wrong either personally or professionally or from a health point of view. And it's about negotiating, like, what's going on and how can we get to where that business needs to be in dealing with that person without being horrible about it. I mean, sometimes there has to be an element of nobody likes to be dealt with formally in terms of a, a, a route to a door and the door being held open. Yeah. But how you step over that threshold is what makes a difference. So it's a bit like... You're almost like the sort of social worker of the business then, to a certain no. degree. No, I have very <laughs> no, I have very low tolerance, to be fair. Um, and I can talk about all of the kindness and all of the... And it has to happen. Yes. But I get as frustrated as my clients do yeah. with the cases that you understand that there is an element of some people, you know, they do have problems that prevent them from doing that job or ill health or, you know, something's going on. But if you can't get to the bottom of it and they don't want to talk about it and there's just no way back because it's been a ridiculously right. silly or a ridiculously serious matter, yeah. then, you know, don't twirl somebody around your head, chuck them in a skip. 
you know, do your backing and then blame lifting a box. Yeah. You know, that I don't like that because yeah. I can see the effect that has on the managing director and the leaders in that business yeah. of the time it's taken to investigate and deal with that rubbish. And that person is actually creating their own version of reality in order to suit a purpose, yeah. a bigger purpose actually. Yeah. But um, you know, that is, that isn't, that's not right. Yeah. 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 So I think because I have to deal with things in quite a time effective way, I'm a, I'm a decent listener, but my advice is fairly blunt. You know, do you want to do this in a well-measured best practice way? Do you need an exit because this is a massive problem? If you do, let's talk about how sometimes fortune favors the brave. You know your people better than me, yeah. but sometimes it's worth the investment to get that person back on track. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. there's a if there's a hope or a you know a shred of light that that's, there's just something off, let's get to the bottom of that. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. So. Um, we have a little thing on the show where we want to try and get a little anecdote out of all of our guests. And is there is there one thing in that, what was it, 23 years, mm -hmm. that you think, that was amazing, I, I nailed that, I absolutely did a cracking job on that, or the, the opposite, where you think, oh, actually, that could have gone better. Without breaking any confidences, is there anything that anecdotally you can share with us that would just give us a bit more of an insight into that part of it? I think saving a situation that could have cost an awful lot of money right. would be a would be a highlight in terms of a business perhaps not understanding that you can have a protected conversation to try and stop something escalating. Because you can't put things back in a box. Once it's Once happened, it's, it's happened. If somebody <laughs> yeah. said something wrong and somebody's done something wrong, mm. you can't then rewind and erase, <laughs> unlike some elements of your podcast, I would just you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah. what you can do is then manage the outcome. And I think managing a really great outcome in terms of a low level of cost, understanding that there's been faults on both sides is a great outcome for me mm. um, to save a lot of time, effort and stress. And I suppose, you know, there'll be... I'm sure there's examples where, you know, getting it wrong could could end a business potentially, you know, yeah, I mean, reputationally sat, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I've sat in employment tribunals where I think there's been a robust process followed and a decent dismissal and you've wondered whether it's going to be upheld or not. Mm. Um, wow. That's probably a low light. Yeah. Um, I think I've sat in two in 23 years. Um, yeah. One was a winner, one was a loser, but for different reasons to yeah. the reasons that we thought they would be. Yeah. yeah. Blimey. Good, good. There's always a risk, but like yeah. you say, sometimes fortune favours the brave. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so what's, what's next? Because I know you've got a couple of associates working with you now. Your business has grown. You've got, sounds to me like a, a fair bit going on. And it is, is it predominantly Cumbrian focused? Are you pushing out of the county at all? What's what's next for uh, yeah. HR? I'm on a, and I'm on a, building focused stage of the business 23 years in um and we've run just run a fairly nice event at the holston yesterday um promoting looking after people and profit working with some great collaborators in um saint accountants um cartmel shepherd um rachel bellworth management because they're specialists in their field that offer something else that we don't offer and um, we work very nicely together yep. um, and they're trusted people that I would work with. I also work with some health and safety boards um, and um, H good HR people who can dip in and dip out when there's some work to be done. But those have to be people that you really trust and you have some um, you have some understanding of and who work in the same way as you do. Yeah. yeah so it's a rebuild time, I think, in the business and a growth phase um, looking at how to help businesses who 
don't have an HR resource to get more hours out of their day. Yeah. I can do the paperwork quicker than they can about stuff that's going awry or needs to be done. I can unpick a problem quicker than they can. So I'm, I'm saving some hours in their day and some grey hairs and getting it done in a really um, in a really safe way. And, and sort of building that on the basis of collaboration with other either industry professionals or complementary businesses. Yeah, definitely, like definitely, that. yeah. The, the easiest way for people to dip into me is via a really nominal retained basis. So there's availability. Yep. To, it's like um, an insurance policy, a yeah. non-insurance insurance policy against a nuclear people bomb, if yes. you like. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, very Perfect. good, very good. So for people that are out there and watching and listening to this show that have an HR problem that's about to... You know, hit the fan, as it were. Everybody's got one. <laughs> <laughs> and they might be thinking, this looks like the person for me. How do they do that? What's the best way for them to hook up with you, Debbie? Um, I've got a contact form on my, web, on my website, okay. which is uh, davidson-hr.co.uk. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, Great. We shall put those links in the description super of the duper. show. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. Perfect. So thanks for coming. Thank you. Really yeah. good insight into the world of HR. Thanks for sharing that with us and a bit of a, your story as well. Yeah, um, there we have it, folks. That was Debbie Davidson from Davidson HR. Um, if you'd like to see more guests like Debbie on the show, do us a favour. Do the like, subscribe and share and all that good stuff. And uh, we shall look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks again. Thank you. Liquid Studios Production.